you have reached the voice mailbox of Game Thing, Season 4, Horror. You have 18 new messages. Monday, the 23rd of January, at 1.03 p.m. Hey Pippin, it's David. I have our first uh, David pick for Game Thing, for Horror. And as I've mentioned before, uh, it's not really a genre I've played a lot of much. Uh, a lot of it's going to be new to me, but I also don't want to overthink it. I know we can't play them all, and I'm going to try to <laughs> resist using this uh, space in our lives as an excuse to check out stuff I've always heard of and meant to play. Um, but I got to thinking about what we have been playing so far, and you know, including in the preseason, we've been spending a lot of time uh, in the 90s. So I'm going to throw the dart at the board on something a little more modern, something I don't really know much about. It's a game called Mirror Layers, which came out in 2021 and was developed and published by Revo Lab and Even Zanati's My Madness Works. And uh, by the sounds of it, uh, it really doesn't get more modern than a horror game about or involving social media. This is called a, quote, social horror experience. And, um, you know, with Don't Die, my interviews, I've been thinking a lot about the Internet and what is it doing to us, and particularly its intersections with video games. Like, I've been thinking about it and talking about it and listening about that for you know, about a decade now, over a decade now, and so, I don't know, I just figured rather than play things that we already know to be foundational, let's play something a bit more contemporary and we really don't know much about, and by the looks of it, I think Mirror Layers involves some sort of real social media app that you can put on your phone or it's simulated in the game, and there's some sort of social component to it involving other real players, and uh, there's a disclaimer at the start that I think sets a pretty good tone <laughs> for what we're in for. Quote, mirror layers will not ask the player for sensitive information. It will instead just ask them for a part of themselves. Oh, okay, just that. That's fine. I wasn't using that anyway. Uh, so I'm not really expecting this to be a subtle experience, because um, the social network in the game is called Propaganda. But I'm curious mainly to go from being alone in the dark to, like, being together in the dark? I don't know, there's some sort of, I don't know, there's something, some aspect of this involving other players in real time, or some asynchronous thing, which is something that I think we're both pretty familiar with. Uh, so I won't really have questions about this until I play, and I'd rather go in and experience it and describe it together with you versus sort of just verbally rehashing what some video seems to show or what some description seems to suggest. Um, but I'll see you on the other side, and... Uh, Bye, Pippin. Monday, the 23rd of January, at 4.25 p.m. Hi, David. Pippin, leaving you a message. Probably makes sense to explain just the basic setup and gameplay of the game, such as I have experienced it so far, uh, having jumped in. You receive an invitation to the Chandran Apartments, and I don't really remember even why I was invited there. It may have said on the invitation. I've already forgotten. That's that's sad. Uh, but I went, and you show up at the front office of an apartment building. You grab a key. 
you go up to the 12th floor. I was so suspicious of the elevator <laughs> that I took the stairs. I think the elevator would have been fine, uh, as, it, as it turns out. And you go into an apartment with the key. And it's this big, sprawling, strangely laid out apartment that puts me in mind um, of a massive uh, Parisian apartment I once visited on the Place de la Madeleine, uh, which just kept getting bigger. And that puts me in mind of the incredibly effective horror novel, House of Leaves, which is all about architecture that's unstable. Um, so I'm wondering if that will become a part of this experience. I think the biggest thing so far is the apprehension involved in exploring an empty domestic space, both because a lot of, it is, a lot of it is dark and you have to turn the lights on. It reminds me of Gone Home, actually, as well. Uh, these sort of very threatening spaces become very banal when you turn the lights on and see that it's just somebody's house. Uh, but it's also creepy in that way that video game portrayals of domestic spaces are, which is that they never look like anybody could possibly live in them. And I'm not sure if this game is trying to say that anyone lives in this place uh, or not. Maybe that's a mystery that we will unfold as we go. Uh, at any rate, the, the gameplay is exploring this apartment. You then find the special computer that allows you to access a social network of other players, uh, but very importantly allows you to upload physical objects into the computer as files and also instantiate files into physical objects out of the computer. All of this taking place through a mirror, um, hence the game's title, I guess. And so the first puzzle, for example, involves using those facts to get hold of a key to unlock uh, a padlock that is weirdly locking some curtains, <laughs> as far as I can tell. And that's where I'm up to so far. I am scared of this banal apartment already, and I haven't met a monster yet. Uh, how are you doing in there, buddy boy? Tuesday, the 24th of January, at 12.05 p.m. Yeah, I'm actually... Not sure why we were graced with that invitation either. And I don't think the elevator worked, as far as I knew. Um, I think I tried it, and then I just had to trudge up 12 flights of stairs. Um, it's easy to forget, because most of your time, and I, my guess is going to be maybe all of your time in the game, is going to be spent in this layout of this apartment. Um, I mean, I say that because... Very early on yesterday, I got into the apartment and I quickly got stuck. I wasn't sure where to go or what to do. And then I realized I'd missed like an entire hallway of the apartment somehow, which was the apartment that led to like five other hallways, it seems, and a balcony. And so I went back out onto the 12th floor and I tried to go. I was like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe there's something on the roof. Maybe I left something in the lobby. And um, no, the game... Um, there was like a visual glitch and I was snapped back to just that same portion of the stairway outside the 12th floor apartment, which was like in the context of being a player of a game, like it was kind of comforting because <laughs> it was like, Hey, no, you haven't missed anything. You're where you're supposed to be. Just, you know, revel in trying to figure out where you are. Um, which I think writ large is like what the deal is going to be with this game. And uh, I've made it past 
that first incarnation in the apartment. I guess each incarnation is called an enigma. And this just feels cheaty. I mean, I wonder how you feel about it. There's this computer you have to get to, which lets you interact with other players um, asynchronously on a message board. And you're gate kept from seeing messages from players who are, uh, you know, deeper into the game than you are. But, you know, there's kind of this cool rising tides thing going on there where people are sharing items they find. I don't think you can actually individually find everything you need to progress. Um, but it still feels kind of cheaty to download items from other players, even if they're also kind of shrugging about what it is um, that you're supposed to be doing with stuff. In the first Enigma, it was a key. In the second Enigma, um, I found on my own some coaxial cables, but I found going back, players or other players were sharing like an old Nintendo console, a controller, a game cartridge, so I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Um, I'm hoping what will follow is the apartment gets more and more cursed and weird and impenetrable, and it's maybe more about like scooping up items and doing something that seems fairly straightforward, i.e. a key, i.e. a game console to set up, and more about paying attention somehow to the very small details of this massive apartment. Um, but I don't know, because this next enigma introduces a monster that'll stab and uh, kill you. So, still figuring it out. Where are you at? What does this decade of horror feel like? Tuesday, the 24th of January, at 2.31pm. Tuesday, the 24th of January, at 3.52pm. Hey David, it's me, Pippin. Uh, we're at the same point in the game, Enigma 1. The apartment is getting more cursed as you desire. The walls around us are covered in weird, rooty vein things. Uh, the layout of the apartment itself is mirrored from the first time. Maybe even weirder than that, I can't actually find the computer. It wasn't where I thought it should be. Instead, I found a kind of flesh ball in a cage which was a nice horror beat to, uh, to break my familiarity with the space. Uh, and that really continues the House of Leaves thing, right? The horror involved in being in an unknowable space that you still have to deal with um, <laughs> because something's trying to kill you in it. I, I found the, the NES controller that goes with your coax. I'm a little frustrated that this is the second straight puzzle uh, where it looks like we just have to do file sharing on the network to get all the pieces, uh, but I'll allow it. Um, and, you know, the horror style is just as you say, right? It seems to be that mode of doing something kind of boring uh, or mundane under duress, with inspirations like, you know, amnesia, for example. For all that that's, you know, you're going to murder somebody, which is not that mundane. But you spend most of your time, you know, pulling on books and uh, and, and grabbing pulleys and so forth. Uh, Slender Man is another one that comes to mind, uh, the game where you, you walk around finding sheets of paper while the Slender Man comes to get you. Usually, you know, you're doing something fairly easy, easy mechanically, uh, but there's a monster involved, which is horrible. And I think the current monster, 
who I've only seen at a distance because I was very scared of it, and I ran away when it <laughs> when it saw me. It did a great horror uh, kind of staging of that, where I came through a door, having heard the sound of the monster uh, banging something uh, against a wall, and I saw it, and at that exact moment, it turned its head and saw me, and without missing a beat, came for me, and I ran, and I hid in a locker. Uh, which is all great. I mean, that's fairly standard horror, horror, horror fare at this point. But the neat thing that happened is I closed the locker door and it was, it walked past and then I was kind of moving around a little bit in the locker to, to change position so I could see. And my body bumped the door open and I had to really quickly close it again. And I thought that that was really neat. The idea of being uh, betrayed by my virtual body in that way. So I think that there's there's plenty going on here. It's learned um, and is perhaps innovating. Obviously, we're not experts, uh, but it's, cer it's certainly learned from past games. And I am scared, <laughs> but at least we're uh, you know we're in touch over the social network called Propaganda, so I don't feel too alone. Uh, even though you opened our conversation there with the IRC chat room classic ASL question mark, that was weird. Tuesday, the 24th of January, at 5.51 p.m. Hey, Pippin. I have made it to Enigma 2. And going forward, I'm going to try to avoid spoilers, and you can do the same for me, please, as we try to <laughs> not pooch the scares for each other, but still discuss about what's happening along the Horror River here that we're both uh, swimming in. So a couple of quick things. One is that when I first encountered the monster, because so many weird things happen in that first change uh, uh, layout of the apartment, I thought you could help it. And so I went right up to it. And uh, uh, although maybe story-wise, we are in a way helping the monster. I don't know. I'm just speculating. Um, it killed me and uh, didn't seem to want to be helped, even though I was holding some coaxial cable and was happy to share them. Um, but a couple of quick things I want to get into. One is we should talk a little bit about this whole temporal spatial thing with there being a mobile app that maybe helps at most avoid a bit of the backtracking to the computer. My bet is that you have to go back to the computer in the original layout every single time you want to use it and that it doesn't show up later. Um, and so my bet is that this is a way of forcing you to go back to actually 3D print stuff out from other players that you have to take with you. Um, but yeah, I know you can't use it, but it's the same experience as you see in the game. And actually, I think this is like a pretty neat thing, the propaganda app. Um, because it builds in this loop of seeing messages from other players in the past of you get an idea, you think of what's ahead because people talk about where they're stuck, what they've seen, asking for help. And so you build up this layer of anticipation of what's ahead for you and you wind up being surprised when it doesn't quite happen that way. So for example, um, I was given a phone number after completing a certain task in Enigma 1 and I saw on the message board, someone said, if you press four, 
you'll hear a woman's voice saying, if you know how I was killed, press 4. But when I pressed 4, it said, I'm in the fridge, do not open it. And yeah, it it kind of, it was, it was a, uh, I don't know how to describe the feeling, but it was, it was uh, creepy. And there's a whole segment coming up that we should absolutely talk about, but I don't want to spoil it. So let me know where you're at and when you're at. And as always, I am wondering ASL. Bye. Wednesday, the 25th of January at 2.39 p.m. Hey, David. Pippin calling you from Enigma 2. Uh, I, I finished Enigma 1. I'm trying to keep up with you, and I'm aware of a kind of tension where trying to keep up for the sake of our conversation here is a little bit at odds with the horror, right? Because you, you go into this horrible apartment with the sense that, well, I'd better get through this horrible apartment so I can catch up with David, <laughs> which is a little antithetical to, to feeling scared at the same time. And I am trying to stay scared. I feel like I learned important lessons from amnesia, especially in the preseason about my, my responsibility there. So I'm trying to hold on to that feeling of being afraid, part of which I think is about kind of not seeing the monster as much as possible, uh, keeping it at a distance so that it it remains ambiguous and you don't know what's going to happen if it gets you, Um, which requires some suspension of disbelief because I know it will kill me. But, you know, just trying to not feel sure about things. And I think Enigma 1 did some great stuff on that front, notably uh, having you be on the phone for a while so that you're in this very exposed hallway looking left and right constantly worried that you're going to be surprised by you know old knife foot <laughs> um, and then also the the sequence where you're playing a Nintendo in a room of the apartment again where this person is is walking around intent on killing you if they find you and it, it may be the case that they've implemented it so that uh, the monster cannot surprise you while you play Nintendo, which I think is a is a it's a funny to say these things, but I think that that would be a huge shame, right? Because I think that there's something so vulnerable in that moment where you're playing a game and you're kind of trying not to be too immersed in it because you want to be able to run away and hide in a closet if you hear something. There's a lot going on there, um, I think, and it, it would be a shame if it's not really it's not really real in that situation. So. So yeah, I've been trying to keep the monster at a distance, not just because I don't want to die, um, but but because I think distance is the best kind of scare. Um, That's it, it did kill me. (laughs) There's the point where a package arrives at the front door and the doorbell rings, and I guess, I don't know if the monster heard it or something, but I I went to get the package and it just came running in and and murdered me. I had been worried actually about what was outside the door, so I was... I was kind of lingering, not sure if I should open it, and then I did open it, and then I and then I, I died to something that was inside the house. So there's tons of technique, I guess, going on here that I really appreciate. Uh, now I'm up to Enigma 2, which involves, as you know, a classic grudge child, as we call them in our house, small, pale, white people who are perpetually kind of in the corner of your vision and want to murder you, of course, of course. Um, this one has got me so many times that I'm suffering from that issue of repetition is the enemy of being scared. Um, but updates from you. How, how, how have you found the uh, the grudge child? Scary, not scary? Yay, boo. Bye. Thursday, the 26th of January at 12.22 p.m. Hey, Enigmate. Uh... 
hello from the existence in mirror layers known as number two, or I guess it's really three because we started at zero. <laughs> There's just deception everywhere in mirror layers. Um, I kind of want to fold in what you said and asked about into something I've been thinking about, which is uh, horror game as bottle episode or um, this thing in TV where an episode, for budget reasons, uses as few cast members' effects and sets as possible. Uh, I've been thinking about bottle episodes as I've been bouncing off the walls in mirror layers of this apartment we're probably never going to get out of. Um, so horror game as bottle episode in the midst of meaningless systems, or I guess like if absence makes the heart grow fonder, like what does <laughs> increased shoving your face in it familiarity do uh, to horror? So there's a, a repetition you mentioned of uh, it being the enemy of scares, but I want to talk a bit about, like, as you kind of get the feel for a game and understand what's going on um, in horror, as we've hit on or talked about, there are sometimes just systems in these games that are meant to sort of suggest meaning or just generally fuck with you. So, for example, uh, as you told me recently, you know, in Amnesia, there's actually a, the, the sanity mechanic is basically meaningless, which I sort of suspected but didn't know until you told me, and... I'm kind of sensing in, like, mirror layers, um, you know, I kind of theorize, like, if you turn on the lights, if uh, you make a lot of noise, the monster will know you're there. Um, but as death doesn't really carry a big penalty in the game, uh, and you're, like, digging into, like, kind of involved puzzles or puzzles that have a lot of moving pieces or things where you have to, as I was hoping for, inspect things, uh, you just sort of run into the monster, and I've kind of realized, like, it's sort of not random, but it's not as smart as you think it is. And I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, I'm noticing that, like, in a confined space that's forcing you to experiment in ways that are that involved in death not being a big penalty, like, I'm feeling that's kind of pumping the brakes on terror. Like, you're just being sent back to where you started, which is what happens when you boot up the game in general. So I'm not, you know, I'm kind of pondering, like, not what would make a better game, but what would make getting caught scarier, because the effect just wears off so quickly. Um, and I know you and I are both stuck in the game right now, we're going to talk about that, but I'm just curious, like, are there meaningless systems you're suspecting are there in this game, as the apartment is, you know, just over and over and over in front of you, um, is there stuff that's in your head or you realize it's not in their head that is really there? Like, <laughs> how is mirror layers gaslighting you or how have you come to see the light? All right, bye. Thursday, the 26th of January at 12.52 p.m. Thursday, the 26th of January at 2.38 p.m. Hey, David. I'm going to try and fill in some of the, the game since we're chomping through it. We both made it through a kind of nice escape room puzzle involving flowers, paintings, hanging bodies, and some light uh, hacking on the web. But since then, uh, as you were kind of alluding to, we've been stuck dealing with this guy <laughs> wrapped in a sheet who drags around a ribcage full of organs 
where the core point is to grab an organ and then run like hell uh, to give it back to the chopped up corpse that it belongs to. Good, honest work. But Sheep Guy chases you as soon as you grab an organ. And if he catches you, you die instantly. And it's dark. And it's hard to work out where you are. And I keep like just running into the wall uh, because when you grab the organ, you mysteriously decide to turn off your torch. And hence... You get caught and you repeat and you repeat and you repeat, right? So Sheet Guy definitely creates a lot of tension and stress, like I have shouted at the television a few times, but it's not really horror, right, other than that classic horror of losing gameplay, of having to repeat yourself, right? Which we should keep an eye on um, actually in general because that's something that comes up in, in games uh, where they mess with you on that front, saying that your save file is corrupted, for example. Um, but it's a true horror, too, because you really don't want to just keep repeating the same sequence uh, over and over again. Full stop. Um, how's the game kind of fooling me about stuff, or gaslighting me, as, as you put it? I think that there are some really interesting tensions in this particular sequence around... How scary something is versus the the right approach in terms of gameplay. Um, because the sheep guy, you know, he's pretty scary. So the thing that you would really do in this scenario, if you were just trying to be yourself, is stay the hell away from him because he will kill you. But really what you need to do, it seems to me at least, is follow him really quite closely all the time as he drags this gross sack of organs around so that you can pick your moment and grab the organ and run off, etc., etc. But you're meant to stick stick close to this guy. Um, and that process of sticking close to him and observing what he's doing all the time um, is kind of antithetical to horror, I think, because I, I at least found him becoming quite sympathetic, right? He's a guy with a job. His job is to drag a ribcage of organs around, uh, to go look at chopped up corpses that he presumably chopped up. And so understanding him is kind of distancing, so it's kind of academic, uh, but it's also empathy building. Um, now I am in Enigma 3, having uh, made it past old sheet guy, and I can report that the meatball is free, David. The meatball is free. See you on the other side. Friday. The 27th of January at 12.36 a.m. I'm a little, this is David, I'm a little tempted to want to never speak of Ghost Dude Sheet Guy ever again. Uh, I've spent about half of my total playtime so far being stuck on it, uh, and I did get past it this evening. Uh, it was a whole... It was a whole ordeal, and I know you went through it, too, and I just am tempted to, like, just move past it. But I think there's, like, stuff going on there that's uh, worth talking about through the horror-specific lens. Um, you mentioned the Grudge Child, which I think I glossed over, but before there becomes way more of the game after this that we get into, um, what's notable about Ghost and Grudge Child is, these are sort of sequences that alternate after like these bigger puzzle parts, and I guess it's meant to strike a, like a different sort of experience of uh, horror. And 
ghost and kid both sort of operate on a demand for precision in how you're moving around. Uh, the red-green thing is about only moving in certain times. The ghost guy is about moving very deliberately. Um, both are in the dark, and both sometimes you're sort of thinking about it more mechanically versus feeling like you're frozen in fear. And indeed, I mean, I sort of felt like I had a whole Benny Hill thing going on with like when I figured out how to move around and have the sheet guy follow me, it sort of just lost any sort of uh, <laughs> feeling of threat. But, you know, now that you're past it with where you are now, I mean, I'm just sort of wondering, like, how does dealing with the trauma of that sequence change how you're playing? Are you more cautious? Are you more cavalier? Are you less afraid? Friday, the 27th of January at 11.06 p.m. Good evening, David. It's your friend in horror, Pippin. Uh, yeah. So, dealing with the sheet guy, or rather not dealing with the sheet guy so many times and then eventually making it through. I mean, I know it didn't, uh, it didn't take me as long as it took you, but I spent a long time with sheet guy. And I even found, as I said, you know, some reasons to be interested in that sequence in terms of the idea of empathy with the monsters and the fact that they're they're working. Um, but the thing I think that Sheet Guy broke for me or has made less attainable is just that feeling of being worried in the game. That um, that kind of anticipation nature of of scares in these games and in horror movies or horror in general, right? We know from amnesia and our own efforts to, to stay scared that it's a fragile thing that you have to actively protect. And because I had to be killed by, <laughs> had to be killed by sheet guy so many times, it normalized it so thoroughly that dying doesn't really seem like a big deal. And I haven't found a way to get back a sense of apprehension. Um, because I think at this point in the game, now that we've played this for a while, um, I, I have a sense that we, we begin to know their approach to design and the core kind of gameplay patterns they're using to to make the experience scary, which is that you're trying to do something um, relatively complex, potentially like solve a puzzle, there's a monster, if it catches you, it will kill you instantly. If it sees you, it will chase you. Uh, and it's always wandering around. Um, and that makes what you're trying to do very difficult, of course. And that's interesting the first time. Um, but because it feels like essentially the same issue every time, it's less interesting and less ambiguous, I guess, right? And ambiguity is huge in a horror experience, not knowing what's coming. I feel like I know what's coming, right? So now I walk into wherever I'm going, like there's an office building, as you know, in, in Enigma 3, I know there's going to be a monster. And it shows up and I'm like, oh, great, here you are. And I run away from it, but it's almost half-hearted, right? It's like bad acting. Like, oh, no, don't catch me. But if it catches me, it's going to kill me and I'll... You know, I'll 
I'll come back and I'll try again. And so I'm not afraid of death anymore uh, because I've died too many times. Um, I feel more resentment than fear at this stage. Uh, despite the fact that it's done some good stuff as well, um, this, there's, there's a puzzle with no solution that I thought was a really nice move. And I think one of the things that I return to, um, just to, to take this in a slightly different direction than my frustrations with the repetitive nature of the situations that we're finding ourselves in, um, and I asked this in the previous season as well, is what do we think this game would be like if you reskinned it in another way? But how much of the game is scary because of the trappings of horror and how much of the game is scary because of the mechanics of horror. Saturday, the 28th of January at 12.34 a.m. It's a good question. I think we should uh, try to answer it or try to come to some kind of understanding about it together. Uh, although I suspect, like, if you were to reskin this game, you know, and it were to look different in some way or be different in some way, I kind of feel like, you know, that's the point we've gotten to is past the, the top layer of epidermis and we're beneath the skin. We see what's going on. We see how it works. I'm not sure it would make any real difference, you know, because um, this is just sort of the core um, of what mirror layers is. And... There is something about that sheet sequence that you and I both went through where, yeah, the monsters are just, they're kind of a hindrance. And I think, you know, I suppose like if you're really looking for ways to stay locked into um, playing your role in the part you've been cast in, um, as you and I both discovered trying to get past the sheet thing, like there's actually an option to... Um, change the difficulty of the monsters, but I think as we also saw, it doesn't really affect <laughs> that ghost thing. So by the time you get past it, um, you're sort of like just sort of shrugging at all of it. But um, I think like other evidence that's worth entering uh, into as exhibits, whatever at this point, is part of what I think Mirror Layers does pretty well, and maybe. Just all horror games do this, and I just don't have a clue because I haven't played a ton of them. Is you know, it throws you in um, largely by the benefit of it being incredibly dark, or you don't know the rules yet, or you don't know how the monsters work yet. Um, you're unnerved and you're off kilter, and then you slowly get acclimated, and then the game finds a way of ripping the rug out from under you again, and you're again not sure really um, what to do or what's going on. And uh, maybe it's just you go around the carousel once and you're like, yeah, I've seen it, so it doesn't really have any shocks in store for me. Or we can sort of like imagine uh, other ways the game might try to poke at us, but we feel like we've kind of seen it all at this point. Or, or it's, it, it killed some nerve in us, or it's like, eh, you can't hurt me anymore. I know your deal, mirror layers. Um, and we've seen like small versions of this along the way. Like you can't pause the game, um, you can die while you have the menu screens up, you know, this feeling of, like, you're never really safe. I think you just sort of get numb to in a while, or as you and I have both said now, like, getting killed isn't really 
any skin <laughs> off your nose, um, as funny as it is to say. Um, but I guess, like, that's sort of a place I've wound up in, too, is, like, you know, is mirror layers, are we basically just playing an atmosphere here, or, like, are we just trying on a new haircut right now, or, I don't know, like, why, why are we feeling this way? Saturday, the 28th of January, at 10.50 a.m. Saturday, the 28th of January, at 1.27 p.m. Hey, David. Happy weekend. I think, I think you're probably right that to the extent that we're fatigued by the monsters, it's kind of systemic. It's not really about whether it looks scary or would be scary. It's about the fact that we know the consequences and they're not severe. So, I mean, obviously one thing that you could imagine is, like, more severe consequences, uh, something like permadeath, where if the monster kills you, <laughs> you have to restart the entire game, is conceivable. Uh, but, of course, there are balances there in terms of accessibility for players and, um, <laughs> and, and reviews on Steam, for that matter. The thing that I keep coming back to with the game that I think is so successful are those moments of vulnerability, um, where the, the threat of the monster is present and it's what heightens the situation, notably when you're on the phone uh, and you're kind of literally tethered uh, by the phone cord, so you can't run away in that moment, so you are you feel very vulnerable. Same thing when you're playing the console, tethered by the, the console cable, uh, and same thing when you're in the menu system, right? You're, again, you're tethered to this other interface when you know that you might need uh, to be in, in the world and running away. And taking that agency away from you is the thing that is so scary in that situation. And it makes me wonder how far you could push something like that, I guess. And maybe we'll, we'll find games that do. But, you know, could you have a game where the monster doesn't kill you, uh, but the horror is about those feelings of unease and vulnerability, maybe just leaning on jump scares, for example, not physical threat, but the threat of getting a fright, <laughs> like something might jump out at you and scare you, uh, the audio might spike and scare you, the visuals might suddenly change and scare you, but you know that you're not going to die, just that you're going to get scared, and that that's what's scary, just like a horror movie. Saturday, the 28th of January, at 5.16pm. What's that expression? Uh, I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. <laughs> it's funny how um, that applies to video games, where we want to be really basically intentionally upset at what you're doing, what's happening to you, what's being asked of you. And it just seems like some wires sort of get crossed in mirror layers to the point we've gotten to, although I've pressed ahead and um, am, uh, I wouldn't say substantially ahead, but I navigated quite a lot of sort of arduous uh, wild goose chase type puzzles. Oh, you just heard I got the achievement for it from Steam in the background. Um, there's proof. I'm playing the game. Uh, but I mean, you know, I think it's, 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 it's difficult to make a game about repetition that is not repetitive. And I don't think it's the repetition that's gotten to us. It's just, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I can think of any other animal 
in nature that would endure a feeling of being kind of annoyed to keep playing. Um, I did, just to see what is around the bend, and I feel like there's some suggestion of meaning here of all this being tethered. Um, this most recent Enigma introduces a uh, radio that you get initially broken. Um, it comes to you broken, and then you have to sort of piece it together in the computer, and then you you know you 3D print out a computer without a uh, mouth on it and the ability to change its dials, and you have to wander around this office building on multiple frequencies to jot down uh, a sequence of letters that you have to make sure you're writing down in the right sequence because uh, it's it's a numbers station, which is actually side note something that IRL is a topic that deeply fascinates and creeps me out and uh, doesn't matter any time of day uh, what's going on. Uh, I can read or listen to stuff about number stations um, and it just it makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. So it was just kind of interesting to see that pop up. But of course it's less about the number station and more about sort of pinballing around the rooms of multiple floors of this other building, jotting it down, and then realizing, like, oh, this is a computer password you have to use. Um, but I think it's sort of, at this point, it's past the point of any sort of hope of return. And I think it's, like, as far as, like, horror goes. And I think it's interesting that that sense of horror can be broken no matter how willing you are as the player um, to want to be scared. And we've said in the past it's a sensitive thing, but... You know, you can sort of burn out on it, like ever affecting you. So, is it is it possible? Like, are we just two extremely two manly men who are incapable of feeling fear ever again at this point? Do you have hope of your fears here, Pippin? Sunday, the twenty ninth of January at twelve forty four p.m. Hey, David. I know we're gonna wrap it up now. Um, I do have a lot of trouble being as manly as I am, but I don't think that that's the issue here. And I have plenty of hope uh, and, and even excitement for being afraid as we move to the next game and the next game in the season. And I think in large part because of mirror layers, uh, you know, we've discussed obviously how, how much you reach a threshold where perhaps you you know too much or you've seen the same thing too much and it becomes commonplace. And, and games, you know, this is, this is not a, just a problem for horror. This is a problem for all games that everything becomes kind of work a day at a certain point because you have to do the same thing over and over again. And you have to do the same thing over and over again uh, because of realities around design uh, and development, right? Like you can't have a game that is perpetually novel. Um, it's part of the dream of procedural content generation. And one thing that I wonder about is, is there a procedural horror game out there? Because that could be pretty intriguing. Uh, I think you could say Minecraft uh, in some ways, but we can, we can come to that later. But yeah, I think Mirror Layers, the big thing that it did for me is, perhaps because it's contemporary and, and does adhere to some of the contemporary standards in terms of graphics and lighting and all of those sorts of elements... I was scared uh, in the, the initial parts, less so because of the monsters, which are alarming and stressful, uh, but not, not really scary. Uh, 
but rather I was definitely scared by the atmosphere, um, by the implications of gross, terrible stuff. And, you know, as the ambiguity fell away, so did the, so did the horror. And that may be a repeated pattern that we experience, but mirror layers made me scared in ways that I really appreciated and enjoyed and that made me feel very optimistic about uh, pushing on through into other forms of horror experience and seeing what's possible. So yeah, color me excited. Maybe don't color me scared right now, but hopefully color me scared soon. See you, David. Monday, the 30th of January at 12.40 a.m. Hey, Pippin, it's David. I'm going to run the tape out here and hope uh, my calling at such a late hour uh, didn't wake you. And I guess mainly what I'm thinking of as uh, we do the one thing a loop never allows you to do, um, which is to break out of it. Um, what I'm thinking of is uh, just as far as mirror layers or just games in general, I mean, I think you know, we're looking through this lens of horror, um, which is sort of unfamiliar terrain for me when it comes to video games. And I think that, you know, this willingness that we extend to video games to affect us is actually pretty profound and is pretty easy to gloss over or sort of take for granted or not even really think about. And uh, I'm not sure Mirror Layers ever quite shaped up to what I thought it was going to be, which I'm like not at all angry about or disappointed by. Um, I'm still not entirely sure what was meant by, as the title screen cautions, uh, that the game will not ask for sensitive information, just ask for a part of yourself. Um, I don't know what that really meant, and I still don't really know what the meatball is real uh, really meant. Uh, maybe something about Ikea. Um, but I think, you know, that, like, mirror layers still... Mirror layers sort of ignited... Um, my imagination, even if it was something it didn't really deliver on, I think is like still pretty thrilling and uh, neat. You know, I think I was expecting some sort of like meditation on social media or some other more real, immediate, nearby horrors of like, sort of like in the tradition of like this 90s anime, I think about a lot, uh, Serial Experiments Lane. Um, which was like all about paranoia and social alienation and reliance on technology, which was sort of ahead of its time. And uh, I just think that like that a video game can sort of spark that sort of hope or that sort of you know willingness to like wanting to be scared just just to see a topic be explored is pretty important to hold on to. And it's sort of fun to just sort of give yourself over and see, like, where it goes. And even if it sort of, like, falls short of the mark, uh, there's definitely a lot of um, moments in here that were instructive and informative and that were definitely um, unnerving. Um, but I do fear, you know, that this one thing you're saying may hold true, which is that this pattern may just sort of be inherent uh, to all horror games as it is to all sort of video games, um, which is just sort of you get familiar, uh, too familiar, and um, I'm, I'm hoping that's not true. End of messages. Thank you for calling.
game thing. For more information, please hang up and dial game thing dot life. Goodbye.